Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well. All is well in this end, except without the video. We've had some difficulty with that. I'm so sorry. Um, but we are live and we are um, audio, and you're still going to be able to call in with anything on your heart, uh, email, and all of that. So we're going to continue with uh, the Catechism Explained the Catechism of Trent, our glorious, glorious, glorious saints. Um, we are up to the section of the Catechism. I know now some of you are following along. I bless God that you went and were able to get the Catechism. Um, we're on the Creed. The first article of the Creed is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. We've covered the existence of a Supreme Being and the existence of God. Um, the fact that he's also proved from Revelation. And then uh, we're on the second section now, the divine essence, what God is uh, in his divine nature or essence is known to us partly for created things, from created things. Um, and um, uh, let me just see. I'm, I'm going to backtrack just a uh, uh, two paragraphs to pick up where we left off yesterday. Um, something struck me um, as I read it even this morning. It reads, even since God's revelation of himself, man is not capable of a thorough or complete knowledge of the nature of God. The reason of this is that God is infinite and man is finite. God is infinite. There's no limit to him in any way. Absolutely no limit. To God, but man is finite, which means we have lots of limits time and space and thinking and body and abilities and uh, all kinds of things. And when I reread that this morning, I thought, um, I remember when I came into the Catholic Church, when I came into Christianity um, through evangelical Protestantism. Um, I was, I had a reason to live for the first time in my life. I knew that God existed. I couldn't believe that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob um, uh, appeared, that the second person of the Blessed Trinity came to earth, that he is the Messiah, and that he's God. Just an amazing, amazing situation. And it, I, I floated on cloud 10 for weeks. I, my feet never landed on the earth. Um, so, so magnificent. And uh, I had no idea that um, um, that there was more this side of heaven than what I had and had found in evangelical Protestantism. And all I could do is wonder why God left me on the earth instead of taking me to heaven. Why did he leave me here? And I figured it was for people that others needed to know him. And so from that moment on, I had not ceased to tell the world, strangers on the street, restaurants all over the place, I'd stop them and say, excuse me, 
you know there's a God, you know you could know him, I just couldn't, couldn't get over him. Um, I'd be in a restaurant, and it would be as if all the people around me were, were I pictured them physically blind, they were spiritually blind, but I pictured them physically blind, and I said, you see these, as if they were physically blind, I would go, want to go up to them and say, you see these two uh, things on our face, they're called eyes, and I know your eyelids are shut, and they always have been, but we can see, if you open your eyelids, we could see, and that's what it was for me for the first time. I couldn't even appreciate a tree because I couldn't get over the fact that I even saw the tree. I was just a Martian on planet Earth. I'm still a Martian on planet Earth. And after trying to save Catholics for 18 years, I became one. That's a whole other story. The last thing in the world I ever thought I would be. And when I became Catholic, dear ones, you think you know God, you have somewhat your arms around him, you know his nature, you know that he sent his son, you know that he's three persons in one Godhead, um, that his son came and died for us on the cross and rose from the dead. I knew all that. It's true, Catholicism teaches the same thing. In fact, everything Protestantism has, it got from Catholicism, even though it threw some uh, truth out and distorted some others. Um, but when I came into the Catholic Church, I, I've said this before, but I'll, I won't get over it. I felt like a little child, uh, a five-year-old, with her face up against a store the size of Costco or Sam's. It was a huge, massive shop, and it was a candy shop. It was an old candy shop. And it was all mine. And I had my nose up against the window. And I knew that in a 10 lifetimes, I could never finish go, going through that store. I could never eat all the candy in there. And it was all mine. It was all mine. And I still feel that way. I have hardly gotten through the second aisle of a million aisles. There's so much. And I remember thinking, from the synagogue that I grew up uh, in as a child, that God is back in his rightful place. He's a mystery again. I don't have them all figured out. Not that every evangelical thinks they have God all figured out. They know that he's infinite. But the mysteries are so great. And the reverence for God was restored to me, as I knew as a child in the synagogue, because Christianity is... Uh, Judaism fulfilled in its Messiah and spread to the four corners of the earth and Catholicism is the full measure of Judaism and the full measure of Christianity. So I, I entered the church in 95 and 1995 and it's been many years since then and I'm still a happy camper. I can hardly get over it. So, and I, I'm so grateful. So even since God's revelation of himself, I'm read, reading where we left off yesterday, man is not capable of a thorough or complete knowledge of the nature of God. The reason of this is that God is infinite and man is only finite. Just as we cannot enclose a boundless ocean in a little vessel, so we cannot take in the infinite majesty of God with our finite understanding. Um, 
We read yesterday that Job said, Behold, God is great, exceeding our knowledge. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians that the things that are of God, no man knoweth, but the Spirit of God. We can neither express in words nor conceive in thought what God really is. When the sage Simonides was asked by Hierio, Hiero rather, king of Syracuse, what God is, he took first one and two days to consider the question. Then he requested four days more than eight and finally said to the king that the longer he thought about the matter, the more obscure did it become to him. It is easier to say what God is not than what he is. He who attempts to fathom the majesty of God becomes profane. It is told of Icarus in the old mythology that he fastened wings to his sides with wax and attempted to fly up to heaven. But when he came too near the sun, it melted the wax and he fell into the sea and perished. So it is with those who seek to fathom the nature of God. He casts them down into the sea of doubt and unbelief. He who gazes upon the sun becomes dazzled. So it is with those who seek to penetrate into the nature of God. Even the angels veil their faces before God. The most perfect of them, the most perfect of the angels cannot comprehend God's majesty. They are like a man who looks upon the sea from some high point. He sees the sea, but he does not see the whole of it. How can we expect to reach heights, which even the angels cannot attain to? We can only give an imperfect and incomplete explanation of the nature of God, such as God is a self-existent being. He's infinite in his perfections, in his glory and beatitude. He's the creator and the ruler of the whole world. We can say those things. We know that from nature. We know that from our own creation. God has put the knowledge of himself within us. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. Um, when Moses asked Almighty God his name, on the occasion of his appearing in the burning bush, God answered, I am who I am. That's it. I am. I exist of myself. I derive being from myself. All other beings derive their existence from God, and therefore, in comparison of him, are as nothing. Hence, David says, my substance is as nothing before thee. God also possesses the highest perfection. We see how some beings upon the earth are more perfect than others. Some things have only existence without life, such as stones and metals. Others have life, but without sensation, such as trees and plants. Others have sensation and movement as well, such as birds and beasts. Man has a spiritual life with intellect and free will. Above man, there are countless numbers of pure spirits, each with a spe special perfection of its own, and each increasing in virtue as it ascends toward the throne of God. But they can never arrive at infinite perfection, since the most perfect among them can always attain to some higher excellence. Hence, we must believe in a being of infinite perfection from whom all other beings, beings derive their virtues.
This is Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth. Join Father Stephen Imbarato and I, along with many more, in New York City for the Gift of Life Walk on Saturday, March 25th at 11 a.m. in downtown Manhattan's Foley Square. We invite everyone to come walk with us behind the Men's March banner in this great opportunity to stand up together for the least of these on the Feast of the Annunciation, which is also the Day of the Unborn Child. Men, we also have a special men's night the evening before the walk on Friday, March 24th. Meet us at 6.30 p.m. for an important presentation on authentic manhood and the pro-life movement in the old gym at the Basilica of St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in Manhattan. Make plans now to join us. We hope that we'll see you there. For more information, go to themensmarch.com. beloved this is mother miriam how would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests you can tune in to sermons for everyday living every day at 6 a.m eastern on the station of the cross you can listen on the station of the cross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic radio mobile app god bless you Keep up to date with the shows we bring you each day on the Station of the Cross by viewing our programming grid on our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are in the middle of reading um, about God's divine existence. And we have a call from Jim in Pennsylvania, so I'll take your call now rather than having you on the line for 15 minutes, dear Jim. Good morning. Good morning, Mother. Uh, I was reading in the same book that you that you were reading. And I'm, oh, already up to, I'm already up to the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Oh, wow. You're way ahead. Good for you. Yeah, okay. I'm ahead. I'm ahead of you. But what what I noticed, it says, uh, after the Pater Noster and the Agnus Dei, it says, upon this, the communion followed, the bishop received the body and blood of Christ and gave communion to the faithful. They crossed their hands, the sacred host, being placed on the palm of the left hand. Now, I couldn't understand that, how they could place it on the palm rather than the mouth. Neither do I. Neither do I. Um, it, the sentences you're reading, uh, you're reading in the past tense, so it's not instruction. Um, I'm wondering about the context of it. What's the heading of the section you're reading? Well, the heading is um, the ceremonial of the Mass. Mm -hmm. 
is under the greater heading, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It's wow. The ceremony. No, I, I think I looked at the Council of Trent. I have that too, and I re- reread that. And that does make no mention of receiving. Uh, I don't think it mentions either way uh, a, a method of receiving, either on the hand or on the tongue. It's so what you're reading that um, they cross their 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 hands and receive on the left palm. Um, that's the commentary of Father Spirago. Yeah, you're reading the commentary now. Yeah. Oh, Jim, I don't know that. I I haven't gotten there, and um, I would wonder about that too. Um. Have you read the whole thing in context? Yeah, more or less. It's kind of just, that was the only, I mean, it might go on later on. I'm only, I still got a lot of, a few more pages to read about the Mass, but. What page are you on? I'll take a look at it um, uh, after the program. What page, honey? 568. Okay. 568. Okay. uh, Paperback. In the what? In the paperback. I don't have a hardcover. Oh, that's fine. I have the paperback, too. I don't have it with me because I'm reading from the Kindle version online. So um, I'm not sure that the pages are the same. Um, but I will take a look at that. Um, uh, I don't have it with me. I may not even be able to take a look at it Um at the break, but I will today and comment on it tomorrow. Um, that's very interesting, Jim. Um, I'm wondering why he's why he's saying that's the manner of receiving, but um, I'll, I can't answer it. Uh, but I'm as curious as you are about it, mm-hmm. so I'll take a, a read tonight on it. All right, thank you, and I hope to see you next week or in a t- few days. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. You mean online? You mean on video? No, no I'm coming to visit. Oh, you're Jim. Oh, you're the same Jim. You're coming to visit us. Oh, how beautiful, yeah. Jim. Okay, that's okay. great. I think you said you're coming around the 28th. So is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's it. Okay. Okay, wonderful, Jim. I look forward to that very much. Nice to talk with you again. You, you All right, sweetheart. We'll see you go to Joseph. Go ahead. Worker, you go to St. Joseph. Yep. Church, the worker. The church, we, in Tyler. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. 8 a.m. Mass. Okay. Bye. Yes. Thank you. Bye All right. Bye. And we'll see you soon. God bless you, sweetheart. All right. Bye-bye. What a joy. Um, if you, all of you, if you come through Tyler, let us know. We'd be delighted for you to visit. Um I should let you know, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to let you know that um, uh, we need to seek a new home again in Tyler. Uh, the land that was donated to us has been taken back. We've had this, we've had an issue wherever we've gone. It's really amazing. It belongs. Um, we, we got that house, uh, 6,000 square feet on over an acre of land, and, and the city took that from us. Unbelievable stories. And we it, we were, we could have sued, but I can't imagine suing anybody, so I'm not going to do it. We came to Tyler, and land was donated to us, and the people who donated it 
uh, had the need to take it back uh, from their own perspective. So uh, we're looking again for a home, but we're we're not leaving the Diocese of Tyler. Um, Bishop Strickland is um, just about one of the best bishops in the world, not just in the country, but in the world. And we are so pleased and honored to be under him. So um, we're looking for land and we'll need to raise some money for, for our move and find a new home and find some land. We're going to look at two places today. Um, and it's the way of God. You know, the, I, I say if people, wherever we've gone, we've been put out of two dioceses and, um, and a couple of homes as well. It's, it's crazy, but um, we trust God and it's his will. So uh, he works all things together for good. We're going to look at two properties today, and um, I'll let you know if we, if we uh, find something. But it's it's um, it's an amazing situation for us. But we are so confident in the providence of God that we remain at peace because let God do what He wants with His people who love Him, and with His ministries and with His religious orders. Let Him do what He wants. Uh, he always works things together for good, and um, it's always better than we can imagine. So that's the way to stay at peace, dear ones, just to trust God, because he's so, so very, very, very trustworthy. Um, let me go back to where we left off. Um, God also possesses the highest perfection. We see how some beings upon the earth are more perfect than others. Some things have only existence with, oh, we did that. I'm not going to reread that. Hold on just a moment here. Um, Nothing greater than God can either exist or even be thought of. God is also infinite in glory and beauty. For if on the earth there exist so many beautiful things, how far greater must be the beauty and glory of God, since it is he who gave them all their beauty. He could not have given it unless he already possessed it. He is like the boundless ocean, and the beauty of all created things is like a series of drops taken from the ocean. God is also infinite in his supreme happiness or beatitude. He lives in endless and infinite joy. No creature can interfere with the perfection of his happiness. None can either increase or diminish it. As the sun needs no light from other bodies because it is itself the light, so God needs nothing from others because he is himself in possession of all good. We can only give him what we have already received from him. God is the creator of the whole world, of heaven, earth, and sea. He is also the king and lord of all, and has made all things outside of himself, subject to certain fixed laws. The earth is subject to certain, uh, also to fixed laws. It goes around the sun in 365 and a quarter days, and revolves on its own axis in 24 hours. All the heavenly bodies move according to fixed laws so that we can foretell eclipses of the sun and moon, etc. There are laws which regulate all the material things on the face of the earth. Plants, trees, and animals have their growth and development governed 
by stated laws, the actions of reasonable beings are also governed by laws, which however, by reason of their free will, they are able to disobey. Isn't that something, beloved? We are the only beings on earth that have free will, and we are the only beings on earth that are able to disobey God because of our free will. The penalties for transgression are laid down by Almighty God. God is the King of Kings, the Eternal King. The majesty of the greatest earthly kings is but a feeble and faint reflection of the majesty of God. Hence, we are bound to obey him. Because he is our king, and he will have all subject to him, either willingly in this life or against their will to their eternal misery. Beloved, dear ones, as I'm reading this, it's just so beautiful to be reading of the loveliness and perfections of God. Look at the news today. Look at the distortions of this world. Look at the evil that is permeating all of society who are trying to become God, artificial intelligence, robots. They're trying to change our minds as well by mechanical stuff. Can you imagine that? They have no clue who God is. They have no clue. Um, Romans says it, um, seeking to become God themselves. They exchange the glory of the immortal God for creatures and all kinds of things. Um, at Romans chapter 1, I, I should bring it up and read it. It's just an awful painting of today's world, an awful painting of the world we live in. When I first read that back in the 70s, when I first became an evangelical Protestant, I thought, my goodness, I hope the day never comes when that is true. But it is has come. It is today when man has exchanged the image of God for beasts and when man has relations with man um, instead of men with women, men with men, women with women, and it is accepted by bishops, by successors of the apostles. It is the most horrendous, horrible uh, blasphemy against God there could be. And so many of our shepherds has fallen under Satan's power. There's no other explanation but that they have fallen under the power of the devil themselves. And they are running their diocese by that power of Satan. Not all, blessed be God. I mentioned we're here under Bishop Strickland. Uh, we could never hope for a better shepherd than he. Um, but, uh, beloved, you need to know your faith. And you need to live your faith. Don't be afraid. All you have to do to evangelize in this world today is live in the world as if it's true. Do nothing against the faith. Rest modestly. Homeschool your children. Get them out of schools that are destroying them. Um, and live the faith as if it's true because it is. There's the music, beloved, for our second break. And we'll be back right after the break and have the entire half hour for your calls and your texts. Not your texts, I think, now, but your calls and your emails. Toll free, the number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for March 15th. Today we celebrate St. Louise de Marillac. All the obstacles in the world couldn't stop today's saint from pursuing the path in life God had in mind for her. Louise de Marillac knew that she was to undertake a great work under the guidance of another person she had not yet met. When she finally met that person, a holy priest named Vincent de Paul, she joined him in his work among the poor. Louise proved to be an answer to Vincent's prayers. She taught, organized, and won the hearts of peasant women who were themselves close to the poor. Four young women, some of them illiterate, joined Louise in her work. Soon there was a need for a rule of life for the community of women. With Vincent's guidance, they formed the Company of the Daughters of Charity. Despite her own poor health, Louise traveled throughout France, placing her community members in hospitals, orphanages, and other institutions. At her death in 1660, the congregation had more than 40 houses in France. Louise de Marillac was canonized in 1934 and named the patroness of Christian social workers in 1960. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. When I was outside of the church, there was always an unsettled feeling. There was always a feeling of something missing and something not complete. The, the deal clincher is we found our way to our, our parish. And we met just an incredible pastor. We learned things that we'd never been taught. Wouldn't be the person that I am without the church and without the sacraments, particularly the Eucharist. I can't live without it. If you've been away from the Catholic Church, visit catholicscomehome.org. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live, but not by video today. Um, but we're thrilled to be coming to you. And this is our half hour together. You're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart. The toll-free number, one 511 or email at mother at We have an email from Georgette. Georgette writes, Mother, my husband and I favor the Latin and want to return, but our 18-year-old son serves on our very traditional Novus Ordo. Well, I think it's either traditional or Novus Ordo. Novus Ordo is not traditional. Um, it's new. Um, uh, if he leaves, the priest will be without a server for the 8 a.m. Mass. Would it be wrong to divide the family with parents going to the Latin and adult children going to the Novus Ordo? Or should we all attend the Latin Mass together with my son not being able to serve? Also, would it be wrong to attend the Novus Ordo Mass on weekdays because it is closer? Or should I just resign myself to, going, to not going to, to daily Mass and just say a spiritual communion on the weekdays? Thank you, Georgette. Georgette, it is never wrong to go to the Novus Ordo Mass. That's a valid Mass. 
there's no reason why you should not go. My goodness. Um, uh, concerning your 18-year-old son, um, it, it, his leaving and the priest at the Novus Ordo being without a servant for the 8 a.m. Mass should not keep him at the Novus Ordo Church. The priest should just get another server um, for that Mass. Um, if he wants to go to the Latin Mass, uh, don't stay because he's a server. He can learn to serve at the Latin Parish. Uh, I, I'm guessing the priest has service there, and he can learn to serve there as well. Um, do not break up the family. No, Georgette. Um, if you, if your 18-year-old son um, serves, uh, would like to go to the Latin Mass, let him go with you. And, um, and if he wants to go to the Latin Mass, we'll just talk to the priest at the Novus Ordo and tell them that um, uh, he won't be able to continue serving and let the priest get another server. That's not a reason to stay there. But if you decide that he continues to serve, don't go to the Latin Mass. Keep the family together. Um, when you say it's a traditional Novus Ordo, it can't be. It's either traditional or Novus Ordo. But I think what you're saying is a reverend Novus Ordo, um, which means, if it's reverend, it means, well, it means a few things. I won't go through that because I don't know what that priest does. But um, um, that's okay. So just, I, I would say keep the family together and go to the Novus Ordo rather than Miss Daily Mass. That's okay. There's no, there's no shoots here. The Latin Mass is preferable, and he can learn, hopefully, to serve at the Latin Mass. But whatever you do, keep the family together, Georgette. Um, okay. Um, I have a note here from our dear James at the Station of the Cross. He says, today at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, Father Mateek will be on Steve Banyan's War Room podcast. It will be live streamed on Rumble, and listeners can tune in to that after Mother Miriam Live concludes today. So, wow. All right. After Mother Miriam, after this program, when we say goodbye to you and... Uh, 25 minutes. Uh, stay tuned. Um, uh, at 11 a.m., Father McTeague will be on Steve Banyan's War Room podcast and will be live streamed on Rumble. Um, so you can tune into that. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be good. We have an email from Denise who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I recently signed an acting contract. And part of my new job includes acting in this beautiful play, which I'm happy about, but it has a Sunday matinee performance. The theater's day off is Monday, which is standard practice for many theaters. As a Catholic struggling to live my faith, how do you recommend I handle this? Would it be acceptable to God if I give to Caesar what is Caesar's? and do my job as required in the contract, but then rest at home as soon as I can and for the rest of the day and attend Mass, of course. Thank you for your answer. Blessings. Well, uh, Denise, um, that's not giving to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Uh, 
giving to God what is God's is keeping Sunday holy and set aside. Um, in my mind, to truly, you say you're struggling to live your faith, but you see, if we determined to live our faith without compromise, we wouldn't struggle at all. Uh, I'll give you a very personal example with me that you may not think equal to this, but I'm celiac, which means I, I need to refrain from anything with gluten. And so um, I don't struggle. I don't struggle. I love lemon meringue pie. I don't struggle not having it. I don't struggle not having many, many things because I want to live for God. And I know if it has gluten, I will suffer from it and be less effective. So I don't struggle at all. I just say no. If we allow ourselves to consider what is not holy um, and, uh, and toy with it and play with it and say, well, it's not that bad, my goodness, um, we are opening ourselves up for all kinds of things. And we have decided to not live for God alone. Uh, I know many of you listening to me might disagree, but many people are saying, how do we live and be in the world and not of it? In your case, Denise, to live in the world and not be of it would not to have, would be not to have signed that contract with a Sunday matinee or to say to them, I can sign the contract, but someone will have to fill in for me. A spare will have to fill in for me on Sundays. That would be the way to live for God. But you've signed the contract. Uh, I'm not telling you to break it. Uh, that's going to be your decision, whether you tell them you cannot perform on Sundays or not. Um, it, it, are you in sin? No, you're not in sin because you will attend Mass on Sundays and, and keep the rest of the day as, as separate for God. But um, it's not keeping Sunday holy. So you're compromising with the world. Uh, I don't say you shouldn't do this. Uh, you sign the contract. I don't say whether you should or should not. That'll be between you and God. But I would say, at least in the future, if not for this, you just say to your people, um, I will not act on Sunday. Have you ever seen the film Chariots of God? Eric Lydell was a Christian, not a Catholic, an evangelical. And he forfeited uh, the, the Olympic prize because he said, I will not run on Sunday. He was the best. He would have won, but he said not on Sunday. And so he didn't. And um, that's living an uncompromising life. And I wish all Catholics would do that because I've said again, if you didn't perform on Sunday and all Christians would stop performing on Sunday, stop going to malls on Sunday and restaurants, Sunday would be a day, again, in society, set apart for God. Um, right now, we're a minority trying to not go to restaurants and malls and, and amusement parks on, and other places on Sunday. But if every Catholic lived their faith, the stores would be closed. So... Uh, I beg the world to do this. I beg everyone to do this. Um, and we are to influence the world, and the opposite has happened. The world has influenced us. 
And if we would say, no, it hasn't influenced us. I'm, I signed a contract, but I'm, I'm willing to, you know, no, no, it has because you wouldn't have signed the contract once you knew that it involved your either practicing or performing on a Sunday. You would not have. So, um, Again, it, maybe it takes time slowly to return fully to God, but I beg everyone to do that. And Denise, what you do in this circumstance is up to you. You said you recently signed an acting contract, and part of your new job includes acting um, in this beautiful play on Sunday. If it's very recent that you signed the contract, you can go to your boss still and say, I, I cannot apologize enough to you, but I'm Catholic and I just simply cannot act on a Sunday. It's God's day and I want to honor him. You can do that. You might be totally out of the play. If I were in your shoes, I would do that. But again, I'm not telling you what to do, Denise. You will not be in sin if you do this and you attend Mass on Sunday, although I mentioned yesterday our Lady of La Salette appeared to the two children in tears in France because Sunday is desecrated, because Catholics treat Sunday the way the world does. So I think it matters to God very much. Okay, we have an email from Anonymous who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I am a wife and stay at home. I'm a wife and stay at home mom to three beautiful children. My husband works extremely hard for our family in order for me to stay home, as well as to send our older two children to Catholic school. While my pregnancies were easy, the deliveries were traumatic. With our last child being in the NICU for over three months, oh dear, due to doctor error, oh my, doctor error, he is older now but still delayed and we are working to overcome those delays. We also had a miscarriage at one point, which was truly heartbreaking. And I know, dear one, that anyone who's had a miscarriage, will um, uh, their heart will go out to you. I would love to have another child, but my husband says he's done. He is the leader of our family, and I respect his feelings, especially because he is the breadwinner, and I am not contributing anything financially to the family. That doesn't matter. Your husband is not contributing what you are to the raising of your children. There's no comparison. But also because of the trauma that we have endured, I believe he is afraid that it could happen again. You've already said it's doctor error, and even if it weren't, that shouldn't affect anything. My questions are, am I being selfish and unappreciative for wanting another child? No, you are not. You are not selfish and unappreciative for wanting another child, dear one. God has said we must be open to life. That's not a choice on our part, unless there's a serious issue. In your case, there is not a serious issue that you have um, told us about. You have a delayed child that you're working with. Um, and again, that was through doctor's error that that happened. Other people have other children with handicaps or autistic, uh, and they, they work with them, of course. She says, I pray daily to Jesus about this, not knowing whether to pray to Jesus for peace and acceptance of not having any more, or pray for another child, if such be his holy will. 
I do not press my husband other than a few jokes she puts in quotes of having another but i cannot help but feel very sad that this season of life it's over it is not over it is absolutely not over um and she says what is the correct way of praying to jesus about this matter i am not ungrateful for what i do have i am so thankful i just realized what a blessing my children are and cannot help but want to add more love to my family any advice would be truly appreciated. Thank you, and God bless. Uh, there's the music for our third break, beloved, and I will answer this um, very important email as soon as we come back for the break. Don't go away. There's still time for you to call in, dear ones. Our lines are wide open. Uh, the toll-free number, one 511 This is Steve Gleason with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non Catholic friend What's your go to for interpreting the Bible? You go in Sinatra, he did it his way, or you go in Magisterium, we're doing it the Apostles' way? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism The Magisterium. What's that? That's the indisputable 2,000 year teaching authority of the Church. The Catechism says the task of giving an authentic interpretation of the Word of God has been entrusted to the living teaching office of the Catholic Church alone. Secondly, a stark contrast. Again, the Catechism says the Magisterium is not supposed superior to the Word of God, but it is its servant. In contrast, the megachurch pastors are coming up with some crazy stuff. They tell us, quote, God is doing a new thing, or the Lord spoke to me this. Humorously, out from all of this, they become their own pseudo-magisterium. And thirdly, Mr. Sinatra, your voice and your music in the 40s swooned my mother, but with lofty lyrics and a lot of ego, your advice from the 1975 hit, I did it my way, falls short. Come on, let's get under the comforting shade of the magisterium. The Station of the Cross began broadcasting in Buffalo, New York in 1999. Since then, our listening areas have multiplied and expanded into several states. While our mission is to grow the Catholic faith through radio and other media outlets, our apostolate is supportive of but independent from your local diocese. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. I'm Jim Havens, host of The Simple Truth, heard weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. This is kind of the playbook of how the culture has been so decimated and destroyed. I think the most important thing is to just recognize how much we have been manipulated. You know, I've come to see anytime Christianity and Judaism are weak, the occult just fills in. It's like the jungle. You know, the weeds just come in and that's what fills the gaps. That's The Simple Truth, weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We read a very serious uh, email request uh, just before the break from a woman who writes in anonymously and says, I'm a wife and stay-at-home mom to three beautiful children. My husband works extremely hard for our family in order for me to stay home. 
as well as to send our older two children to a Catholic school. Now, don't say how older, how much older um, uh, your children are, and and why you have sent them uh, to a Catholic school, which is expensive. I don't know if it's high school. Even if it is, they could be homeschooled. Um, and I hope you've checked to see that it's a very good Catholic school and sex ed is not being taught and gender ideology is not being taught, all of that. She says, while my pregnancies were easy, the deliveries were traumatic, with our last child being in NICU for over three months due to doctor error. Well, that was a doctor error. Um, and I, I'm so sorry for that. She said, he's older now, but still delayed, and we are working to overcome those delays. We also had a miscarriage, which was truly heartbreaking, and that is you know, heartbreaking, and many women have experienced that, most especially with their first pregnancy. It's, it, it's very heartbreaking. Um, uh, not uncommon, but heartbreaking. She says, I would love to have another child, but my husband says he's done now. A husband cannot be Catholic and say he's done and live his faith. He cannot. You are to be open. It's not our choice. You are to be open to marriage and open to children. Um, if he cannot say to God, I'm done, because he's turning his back on God. That's not his decision. The church allows uh, natural, what's called natural family planning, which I, I hate the name because families are not to be planned. We are to be open for life. Natural family procreation simply uh, respects the, the cycle of a woman and refrains from intimacy during her most receptive time. And so one week a month, if, if she's regular, they would refrain from being intimate. They may not use any form of contraception whatsoever. Uh, that is mortal sin, very serious sin. But you can refrain from intimacy. So the, the most you can do uh, is follow your uh, own cycles and refrain from inter intimacy during that time of the month that you are most fertile. Uh, you can do that, but um, it, it's not of God. It's not of God. If you had tremendous uh, illness, you yourself, your life would be threatened, or tremendous financial hardship, or other issues beyond what you've described, um, it, it might be the case. But what you, I, I, I'm not the one to judge, God is. But what you've described to me is not sufficient to uh, refrain from intimacy. But if your husband will not uh, listen to anything else, that is the only thing you can do, is refrain from intimacy. And if God would have you have another child, uh, he can do that in your less fertile times. God can do whatever he wants, but under no circumstance is any form of contraception to be used. And she writes, he is the leader of our family and I respect his feelings, especially because he's a breadwinner and I'm not contributing anything financially to the family. Don't feel guilty about that. That is the vocation God has given your husband. You don't need to contribute anything. You're not guilty. You're not lacking. You are staying at home with the children in the vocation God has given you, and he is 
the breadwinner in the voc- and the leader, indeed, in the vocation God has given him. Uh, he's not contributing to the things you're doing either. Uh, you're both living your vocation before God, and you respect his feelings, but don't respect them so much that you allow him or both of you to enter into sin. Um, and you, she says, because also of the trauma that we have endured, I believe he's afraid that it could happen again. But again, the trauma that you've endured is doctor error. Um, and so I, I don't know uh, why he's so afraid of that again. She says, am I being selfish and unappreciative for wanting another child? No, you're being the woman God has made you. Um, and I prayed daily about this to Jesus, uh, knowing whether to pray to him for peace and acceptance of not having any more. No, that's not your decision. That's God's decision. Or pray for another child if such be his holy will. Let God know if your husband is absolutely adamant in this, the only thing, again, the only option you have is to refrain from intimacy and just let God know you're doing this to keep uh, the peace in your family. Your husband will simply not do it and um, uh, just say, Lord, I long for another child. And if that would be your will, you can give us another child any other time of the month and, and leave it in God's hands. Okay, she says, I'm not ungrateful for what I do have. That's not the issue. You could have 20 children and let it be God's will. Uh, When Bishop Snyder, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, was on uh, the Station of the Cross with me, uh, he said to mothers, God will hold you accountable, or to parents, for every child you have not had. I was shocked to hear him say that. NFP is not to be had except for extreme cases. Yours is not one of those. But again, if your husband will not listen to reason, if he is ungenerous in his uh, life, then um, again, you the only thing you can do is refrain from intimacy during a certain period of time. Okay, so I, I hope this has been... Um, Okay, uh, in some ways helpful for you, be at peace, ask God to direct the heart and will of your husband, be kind to him, um, and uh, you don't owe your husband anything for his being the breadwinner. That is the position God has given him. Your husband doesn't owe you anything for raising your children and homeschooling them. This is a joint venture. Um, you're making a lot of food so he doesn't have to buy it. You're homeschooling your children so you don't need to spend money sending them out as well. You're working here in this beautiful, I'll use the word partnership, that God has given to, to couples where the man is the head and the wife is the heart, and you're both living your vocations. Okay. Um, I don't know how much time we'll have here, but we have an email from Karen who writes, Dear Mother Miriam, I'm on day eight of a novena to Our Lady, undoer of knots, seeking clarity around deciding to homeschool my child. My 10-year-old son's teacher has been teaching LGBTQ gay trans ideology without informing me about it or giving me the option to opt out. Karen, I don't know how much time we have. 
before the end of the program if I'll have time to read your whole email. But you don't need a novena for that one. You need to take your son out of that school. You don't need any novena for that. You take your son out today. Uh, don't wait till you get homeschool materials. Don't wait for anything. Take him out and give him good books on the saints to read until you find your way. Um, uh, she said, I only found out about it because my son told me. Well, I want to say, um, dear mother, shame on you. Karen, um, I'm glad you've written in and we'll take up your email again tomorrow. But I want to say shame on any parent who finds out what their children are learning from their children. You must go to the school. You must see the curriculum of the children and speak to the teachers. You must know that if you think a house could be on fire, you don't send your child into it. You find out if it's burning up first. You must save your children for the kingdom.